Welcome to the Happiness Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Kara Payton, and this is your resource for becoming the happiest person you know. This show dives deep into the heart of life's biggest matters. You can expect to hear from the names you know, sharing a raw look into their souls from their realest moments with God to their biggest heartbreaks in love and greatest lessons in life. If you're new here, subscribe or follow and share with a friend. You never know what message they truly needed to hear. And if you've been around for a while, welcome home. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Let's dive into the super juicy and uncomfortable conversation about imposter syndrome. Now, imposter syndrome is a fear of being exposed as a fraud due to some sort of self-deprecation story manufactured as a result of a lack of self-worth, lack of self-confidence, lack of self-esteem. It feels like a number of things, but most often it surfaces as anxiety or the sensation of being on edge. The sensation creates this exposed wire type sensation in the nervous system that most would describe as anxiousness. Now, what are the downsides of imposter syndrome? It can limit the absolute best of us. Imposter syndrome limits one's ability to accurately perceive themselves and their surroundings. So this completely inaccurate, skewed perception dictates your thoughts, your feelings, and eventually your behavior due to a feeling of lack of lack of safety that trips the nervous system anytime it makes a bold move. When this occurs for a sustained period of time, we stay in an activated nervous system response, more commonly known as survival mode. From this state, our options become really, really, really narrowed to what promotes preservation. All other functions just shut down and we are blinded to this path ahead of what's going to create survival, safety, certainty, We're not looking at the risk. We're not looking at any type of bold moves, and we're definitely not thinking outside the box. In a state of survival, we will miss opportunities. We will not navigate. We will navigate well within our comfort zone. We will disengage from solution-based thinking to problem solve and likely opt out of anything that could potentially advance ourselves. Now, how can the experience of imposter syndrome impact how we treat each other? Well, this is where it gets really interesting because the impact imposter syndrome takes on our nervous system universally touches all areas of our lives. And this is what makes this danger Will Robinson zone. The nervous system enters into a sympathetic state and activates a stress response, either fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And when our options are limited to these tactics, We view everything and everyone through the lens of danger. As you can imagine, the ways that it affects our treatment of others is endless. Regarding imposter syndrome specifically, if if you feel fearful of being exposed as a a fraud, this will likely translate into protective measures like invulnerability, backbiting, gossip, impersonal interactions, or relationships that are very transactional or surface. So if I can be more transparent about my own journey, my own experience with imposter syndrome was very long lived as someone who grew up in a tumultuous environment attempting to live a happy life. I felt very conflicted at every opportunity to obtain healthy connection connection or positive opportunity. 
It was as if I believed I would not only be exposed for taking something that didn't belong to me, but also that doing so would be disloyal to my upbringing. I turned away partners who were healthy because, to my mind, they were too good for me. I shook down any approach others made to get close to me as a threat. I sabotaged myself upon any acquiring of success or rewards. I dismissed praise, accolades, compliments, and achievements, and I counted myself out of many things that were intimate or connective so I would not have to come close or share anything personal. I didn't want people to see. Such as close friendships or collaborations in business, they would only see a certain part of me, a part of me that felt safe for public. Now, what I've done to shake the feeling off or to mitigate or eliminate it was actually did a few things because like many growth and development processes in mental and emotional well-being, it is a constant state of practice to mastery. Practice doesn't make perfect like most of us think. It makes permanent. We can cultivate the habit of regulating ourselves to counter the old habit until it is consistently unseating imposter syndrome. So imposter syndrome is a sustained mind trick. And a lot of us don't understand this. It's just a trick that attempts to sustain this illusion that you're not capable of something. Specifically around this area, what I've done to mitigate and eliminate imposter syndrome in myself are, number one, I take action to move in the totally opposite direction as the response is trying to move me. This is even more powerful by making it immediate and ideally smaller in size. Action, when it's smaller, it's desensitizing yourself of the fear. Big action can trigger more stress response. So I tend to take this in bite-sized pieces. What can I do that moves me in the opposite direction right now? I ask myself what is something or the smallest thing that I can do right now to disprove imposter syndrome. Because if I can do it, that means I'm not an imposter. And number two, a fun one, a little bit more unconventional. I immersed myself in failure stories. Many times we isolate ourselves and exacerbate imposter syndrome by allowing our thoughts to convince us that we are the only ones experiencing this. If we take someone we look up to or a successful public figure by our definition and look at the start of their journey, we will often find many stories of failure as they were beginning. This alone can disprove the disempowering story that fuels imposter syndrome to begin with. And it allows us to take our idols off the pedestal and make them more relatable. I personally read the beginner stories of everyone I idolized and discovered that their starting line looked exactly like mine in most cases. So to close up, I'd love to talk about the five steps someone who is experiencing imposter syndrome can take to move forward despite feeling like an imposter. So the biggest hack that you're going to have with all things in life, especially imposter syndrome, but with everything. Regulating your nervous system cannot be overstated. It can help with everything that you're experiencing in life, no matter what it is. Consistency, regulating the nervous system by responding back to your stress response as it occurs is a cheat code. So when something happens and your stress response is triggered, don't try to stuff it. Acknowledge it. And we acknowledge it 
by breathing slow and deep to signal your body that you are safe, which then activates the parasympathetic response, which is your calm down, your reset. Sympathetic is when you pull your pitch yourself into a stress response, the fight, flight, fright, or uh, freeze, or <laughs> fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response. And so all I'm doing is instead of telling myself to calm down, which actually just stuffs the emotion, it doesn't actually deal with it. You're telling yourself that you are safe while you are activated. So for example, a box breath can be powerful for this. A box breath is a breath in for the count of four, holding at the top of the inhale for a count of four, exhaling for a count of four, and then holding at the bottom of the exhale for another count of four. Number two, taking small, consistent, immediate action to move in the opposite direction as the response is trying to move you. If you are avoiding something due to fear of being exposed as an imposter, what is one micro action that you can take to move toward it? The objective isn't to move without activating your nervous system. That's an automatic response and will likely continue happening until you master regulation. The objective is to take a sustainable step in the direction while keeping your nervous system on board and regulated to feel safe as you move. Now, number three is going to be one that most people are going to dismiss, but hear me out. Observe your self-talk. And I'm not talking about the things that you know about that you tell your, you beat yourself up about a certain failure. I'm talking about the tiny little micro things that you say every single day to yourself that play rent-free in your head that are on loop. There is so much that plays on loop that we don't recognize until we take time to audit that stream. That stream, if we really look at it, is not really friendly. Most often, we can discover how contaminated it is and intentionally send in new programming to shift the frequency to that which is much more beneficial and healthy for our nervous system. For example, if you constantly tell yourself, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, oh, I'm not ready, instead of insisting on this being a statement, dissect this into four questions. Ask yourself, is this true that I'm not ready? And may I, more often than not, the first question you'll answer with a yes. Is it true? Yeah, I'm not ready. I've convinced myself I'm not ready. The second question really kind of cracks open the logic that we try to take for granted, that we don't really, we make it a statement, but it's not really, it doesn't really belong there. Can I know it to be true? So is this true? Yes, I'm not ready. Can I know it to be true that I'm not ready? Then I start to ask myself, well, what is ready? And what am, what am I not ready for? What about me isn't ready? Am I truly not ready? Can I know that I'm not? And then sometimes just in that question, we kind of wiggle loose the period at the end of the sentence and we turn it into a question. I'm not ready. And then a lot of the times there, it just kind of becomes a, no, I, I can't know it to be true that I'm not ready because I inherently do not know what readiness would look like. Who knows what readiness for anything does look like? I think more important than readiness is willingness. So the third question in there is, who do I become when I believe this, that I'm not ready? It's my hallucination that who I become when I believe that I'm not ready is someone who avoids things at all cost, that is over-preparing and trying to gather information and stalling now, the last question is the, I call the freedom question. 
this is the one that sets me free from pretty much anything that I'm trying to keep myself trapped in. Who would I be without this thought that I'm not ready? Who would I be? I think I'd be bolder. I think I'd go anyway. If I didn't have the thought I'm not ready, I wouldn't have anything to get in my way. Statements in your head limit and bind you. Questions leave you free to choose again. Now, number four, start keeping promises to yourself. Now, this one's going to be probably the most personal because so much of the things that we do out there in the world reflect an inner relationship with ourselves. The most important one. When you say that you're going to do or not do something, stick to it. If you've had a really bad relationship with this where you tell yourself, I'm not going to eat that specific type of food, or I'm going to go into the gym, or I'm going to, I promised that I would get this done this day, and you don't do it, it's not so much that you have outer consequences, because you absolutely do. The more detrimental thing that you're doing each time you do that is you're breaking your trust with yourself. And that habit of the opposite, of keeping those promises and doing what you say you're going to do, when you say you're going to do, builds a relationship with yourself, a bond that creates self-trust. Now, why does this matter? The feeling that you have your own back and can trust yourself creates confidence. A person with confidence that has the self-esteem to know that they are capable and able, imposter syndrome cannot thrive in an environment like that. Now, number five, stop putting others on a pedestal. The people you are comparing yourself to all had unglamorous starts to their journey. Everyone starts at the beginning. And most of those beginnings were rough and patchy and very unsophisticated. You were looking most likely by the time you have found them and they are established and they are a celebrity or a public figure. You were looking at their finish line for most of them. Take a look at their starting line. Go back and scroll all the way back to the very first post on their Instagram, and you will likely see a little bit more of a clunky, humble start. See how many similarities you can find. In seeing their humble start, you will feel more, more at home in yours. And being that you will no longer feel isolated and trapped in not making moves out of fear, of feeling like a fraud, you will know you're in good company, that we are all in this boat together, that we all start a journey at the beginning, and that we all start climbing a mountain by taking a step at the base. You will see what that they did it and that you can do it too. This is the ultimate cryptor, kryptonite for imposter syndrome in a comparison-heavy world. Now, my mission is to bring as many people into a profound connection to their own power. So if I could inspire a movement of any kind, it would be to end unnecessary mental and emotional suffering. And most of these things that we do are self-inflicted. So if there's anything that I can do beyond the concept and the conversation of imposter syndrome, feel free to drop me a line at carapayton.com. I live for these questions. I live for these conversations and I live for setting you free of your own self-inflicted blocks and barriers. I hope this was conversation was helpful. Until next time, take care. Now we want to hear from you. What stirred you, helped you, or lit you up with new inspiration? Drop me a line at carapayton.com and let me know. 
If you liked this episode, share it with a friend. This might just be the thing they needed to hear. And thank you for joining me for another episode of the Happiness Habit Podcast. Until next time, keep moving. Your life starts when you allow your authentic self to shine through and the world needs that light in it.